praise him. Woo! Anybody got a testimony that God's in control this morning? A few years ago, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning to a phone call. I was on the West Coast. It was my wife. She was frantic. My youngest son, Judah, had just been in a rollover car accident. She said, I just pulled up at the scene. His truck is upside down in a ditch. When the paramedics got there, they saw the vehicle flipped over two and a half times. Upside down, the entire cab smashed flat. And they pulled up and there was a young man standing on the side of the road. They said, where's the driver? Where's the driver? He said, I'm the driver. They said, that, that can't be that you're the driver. You want to know what happened? God was in control. Even when we're not in control, God is in control. I wish somebody in the building uh, that knows what it's like to say, Lord, uh, I don't even understand what's going on right now. Uh, God, I can't even make sense uh, of what's happening. Uh, but all I know uh, is I'm not in control, uh, but you're in control. One more time, shout unto God. Yeah! Woo! Glory, 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 glory! Hallelujah. High five your neighbor on your way to your seat. Tell him God is in control. Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to again say what a privilege it is to have all of our guests here in the house of the Lord this morning. Would you join me one more time, Rock Church, to clap your hands? Help me make some Holy Ghost noise. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests to the house of the Lord. We are so thrilled and honored that you're here today. If this is your first time here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card. That is our invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of appreciation on our behalf that you would take time out of your Sunday morning to come and worship with us here at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody? We have a little understanding just so you know. Some of you may have wondered why everybody was so friendly during meet and greet. They may have even given you a hug and didn't even know who you were. That's because we have a little understanding here that you're only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door here at the Rock Church. After that, we just tell you welcome home. Amen, somebody? Would you turn around and tell at least three people around you welcome home this morning? Come on, tell them welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. We're so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord. I want to remind you that tonight uh, will be our foot washing and communion service. Amen. We are excited about what the Lord 
will be doing in this house tonight. And uh, again, just one bit of instruction, please bring a personal towel with you tonight. And uh, let's come with great expectation in our spirit and sensitivity to what the Holy Ghost wants to do in this place. Amen. Amen. I have another brief announcement. Um, we recently had some more spots open up for the Rock Church Israel trip in December. Amen. And so what that means to you is if you are interested in going with First Lady, myself, Bishop, and Sister King, uh, Dr. King is an archaeologist and a a renowned expert in all things Israel and, and, and Hebrew customs and all of those things. And if you are interested in going to Israel with us in December, uh, we had just a handful of more openings that just came open. You will want to see Sister Sloss uh, after the service today and let her know to get you on the list. This is going to be the trip of a lifetime. Amen. An incredible opportunity to get to the Holy Land. And uh, there have been just a few questions uh, about some of the dynamics with uh, the political climate and some of the things going on in the Middle East. Tell your neighbor, no fear. There's nothing to worry about. Amen. I've got just a short uh, um, message from Dr. King to the Rock Church that we'd like you to see this morning. Friends at the Rock Church in Fort Myers, we look forward to traveling with you and with your pastor and his wife Back to up. the Holy Land. We're excited about To our friends at the Rock Church in Fort Myers, we look forward to traveling with you and with your pastor and his wife to the Holy Land. We're excited about this journey. There is no place on earth like Israel. A lot of times people ask me, what, what's your favorite spot or what's your favorite thing in all of the land of Israel? And that's a hard question to answer because there are so many favorites. I mean, how can you, how can you put one above the other when you're talking about Capernaum, Jesus' adopted hometown where he chose Peter and Andrew and James and John right there. And, and when you're talking about Jerusalem, the holy city, I, uh, I take a Bible with me to the Holy Land. Of course, when I go, I take a, a, a small Bible, a travel Bible. And I'm not sure if you, can, if you can tell, but the back covers of both of these Bibles have been scratched up. And that's not an accident. That was on purpose. We were in Jerusalem at the Southern Steps, and I scratched these on the stone that is the, the, the side stone of the beautiful gate, possibly the very stone that the lame man was leaning against when Peter and John came up and he asked alms of them. These are some of the beautiful experiences we can have. We sailed the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked on the sea you have an opportunity to swim in the Dead Sea, or at least float, to climb Mount uh, Masada, 
um, to view Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, to see the valley where the battle between the Israelites and the Philistines took place and where David slew Goliath. All of these experiences await you. I want to touch on a couple of more points. One is safety. We take care to make sure that, that you are kept safe on this journey. We are in touch with um, uh, our guide and our driver and their friends and connections. And if there's any dangerous spots, we'll avoid that. We'll change your itinerary and you don't have to worry about that. If for some reason, if the trip has to be canceled and it's not your fault and it's not your choice, then your money will be refunded you. You're not going to lose that money. Uh, it will, you'll get it all back except for the credit card fees and an administration fee. And you can even avoid the credit card fees if you prefer to pay by cash. So these are some things that I've, I thought you'd want to know in getting ready for our exciting trip to the Holy Land. Amen. Amen. It's going to be an incredible, incredible time. And uh, I think the, the main point that Dr. King wanted us to understand uh, is that the Middle East, of course, is no stranger to conflict. And over the many, many years and trips that, that they have taken, they have had to uh, navigate that in a careful way. And there is great anticipation uh, that by the time that trip comes, most of the current conflict we see will, will not be at the level that it is. However, all precautions will be taken. And again, in the event that the trip is not able to happen because of safety concerns, uh, you will have no financial risk. You'll be able to get all of your money back. So there's no worries there. Amen. Anybody excited about that this morning? Stand to your feet, if you would, with me this morning, and I want to invite you to go to the Word of the Lord today, and um, you will find my assignment in the book of Luke, chapter 16. Luke, chapter 16 is where I want to invite you to read the Word of the Lord with me this morning. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Just the opening statements of verse 19 and 20 draw a stark parallel. There was a certain rich man and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, 
he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come back from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. Verse 28, For I have five brethren. Let him testify to them lest they also come into this place of torment. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach about the haunting cry of hell. The haunting cry of hell. Would you put your Bibles down and one more time lift your voice in the sanctuary with me this morning. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come before you in this house, God. We're grateful for your presence, your power that is in this place today. God, we submit and we surrender ourselves to your word in this house today. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to receive, O oh God, what thus saith the Lord. Let your word find its place in our spirit and in our heart today. God, we pray against anything that would try to interrupt or dilute the power of your word to us in this place today. God, we give you the praise and the glory and all of the honor. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This story is unique in the fact that it is the only place where 
we are offered a glimpse beyond the veil of death into the experience of someone who is now on the other side of eternity. It is often identified as a story that is not allegorical, but rather a riveting account of actuality. There are a few dynamics in the text that lead us to believe that this is not just an allegorical story, but that this is Jesus recounting an actual happening. There is great contrast that is offered to us in the text. We can observe that the rich man's name is not mentioned in the text. However, the beggar's name is given to us. Some theologians surmise that maybe it is because they are both referenced from the same book, the book of life in which one of them their name appears and in one of them cases their name does not appear. This is also the only place in holy writ that we are given the name of a subject in a parabolic presentation. Again, lending itself to the idea that this is the account of an actual happening. One man is clothed in purple and fine linen who fared sumptuously every day. The other man, a beggar, who was laid at the rich man's gate. A man full of sores whose only comfort was the dogs who licked his sores. And I believe this morning uh, that the purpose of the contrast here uh, is to bring to our attention uh, a man who has achieved uh, success in this world. Uh, he has reached his goals. Uh, he has focused his life uh, and reached what people would call uh, a level of success. Uh, a man who by most people's measurement, uh, people would say they've got it together. They've done everything that they need to do. However, the word of the Lord shows us that success in this world cannot exempt us from truth and from judgment. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 9 uh, and verse 27 says, uh, It is appointed unto men uh, once to die, uh, but after this uh, is the judgment. Uh, in the house of God today, uh, there is no big eyes uh, and little use. Uh, there is no socioeconomic levels uh, at the foot of the cross. Uh, there is no status when it comes to the gospel and the truth of God's word. Every person in this 
room uh, under the sound of my voice. Uh, whether you have a million dollars, a thousand dollars, or no money at all, uh, you are marching toward a day uh, that you will stand before God uh, and you will give an account uh, not for how much money you made, uh, not for how big of a house you live in, uh, not for how nice of a car you drive, uh, or what school you attended, uh, or what degree you earned in school, uh, but you will give an account to God uh, concerning the way uh, that you lived your life uh, according uh, to the word uh, of God. Uh, can I preach to us this morning uh, that every person in this house uh, must be aware uh, that we are on limited time, uh, that we are on God's time, uh, that our days are numbered by him, uh, that our breath is in his hands, uh, and it behooves us uh, to understand the importance uh, that while I've got breath in my body, uh, my goal uh, and my uh, agenda uh, should not just be success uh, in the world's standard, uh, but Lord, uh, I've got to make it to heaven. Uh, if I don't do anything else, uh, I've got to make it to heaven. Uh, if I never achieve the rest of my goals, uh, if I never do everything else uh, that I dreamed about doing, uh, Lord, I've got to make it uh, to heaven. One man, the beggar, is carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The other man is buried. And it is at this point in the narrative that we are instantaneously transitioned to the other side of eternity. And the word of God affords us the option and the opportunity to stand as a witness of what is about to transpire with the rich man. One moment he closes his eyes and the next moment he lifts up his eyes and is instantaneously overtaken with the torment of eternal fire and the realization uh, that he is uh, in hell. I've got to preach here for a moment uh, because our society uh, has done its best uh, to rock us to sleep uh, concerning the reality uh, of hell. Our society uh, has done everything it can uh, to numb us uh, and desensitize us uh, to the idea uh, of a lake that burns with fire. Uh, we don't want to think about it. Uh, we don't want to see it. Uh, we don't want to give it any occasion but I came to preach in this house today that hell is real I said hell is a real place that the Bible says is a lake of fire which burneth forever he opens his eyes to the realization that he is in hell. 
In January of 2017, just days before she would die from her experience, Judy Malinowski described what it was like to be set on fire and burned alive. She said, there are no words that can come close to describing it. She said it started like thousands of blazing hot needles being driven into your body. She said, I can remember uh, trying to get the fire uh, out of my face uh, and my eyes while screaming uh, for help. She described that every moment of her consciousness, even after the fire was put out and she was in a hospital bed with the best medicine and care as being a living nightmare. She said waking up is a horrible thing because you wake up to the relentless torture of the pain. She said as I lay there engulfed in flames, all I could do is cry out to Jesus to forgive me and to take care of my children. Jesus describes hell as a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. It's a place where where death would be welcomed as a relief from the pain but a place where not even hell exists any longer this man opens his eyes to find himself in absolute horror and torment he is very much aware now of the words of Jesus, what profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Can I just pose that question to some people in the building today? What does it profit you if you gain everything you ever wanted and you never see heaven? What does it profit you if you achieve every success that you ever wanted in this world and yet when you open your eyes you wind up in a devil's hell? What profits a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is it worth? He begins to cry out. And I can hear the screaming agony of someone who is burning alive. Have mercy on me. bring some water to cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame he's begging for mercy he's begging for relief but now he is on the wrong side of eternity 
because when he was alive, there were no cries for mercy. When he had breath in his body, there was no bowing of a knee. When he had the chance, there was no repentance. Can I preach to somebody? There's going to come a day when God is going to hold you accountable for every opportunity you had to get right with him. He's going to hold you accountable for every church service where the altar call was given and you did not bend a knee and you would not repent and you would not respond to the I'm preaching to somebody in the building there's gonna come a day when you wish you would have went to the altar there's gonna come a day when you wish you would have got that sin out of your heart there's gonna come a day when you wish you had just one more service God Give me just one more chance. Lord, just a drop of your mercy. Lord, I'm preaching to somebody today that Jesus gave us this in his word to tell us there is a message to us today. You better repent while you have a chance. You better pray while you have an opportunity. You better run to an altar before eternity comes. You better make decisions that are in your best interest now. This mentality that I'll get right when I'm ready is a fist in the face of God that says you're not in control. I'm in control. I'll do it in my time. I'll do it when I'm ready. You silly rabbit. Don't you realize that your times are in his hands? Don't you understand that the word of God declares that no man comes to repentance except God draws him? Just because you think you're ready doesn't mean it will be the season or the time. In one place, Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, you didn't recognize your season of visitation. You missed the opportunity when I was ready to deliver you and I was ready to forgive you and I was ready to set you free. You had chances to repent and you chose to do your own will. You had chances to get right and you chose your success over me. You had an opportunity. There's going to be a day. You know, the Bible says that there's going to come a moment in, 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 when you read the prophecies in the book of Revelation that there's going to be an angel with the vials that contain the prayer of the saints. And there is coming a moment when that vial is going to be broken over the earth. And all of the prayers of the saints will be loosed into the earth. Can you imagine the torment of hearing the prayer of people that prayed for you and you wouldn't respond? Hearing
hearing the voice of your mama praying for you and your daddy praying for you and your grandmama the voice of your man of God travailing over you asking God please and you're reminded over and over again that God had been reaching for you that God gave you chances and opportunities but you thought you were in control you thought it was your life to live come on somebody it's going to be in those moments it's going to be in those times that we're going to realize and when he realizes that there is no hope for him when he realizes it's too late for me he begins another cry. All right. If it's too late for me, then please, would you send him to testify to my brothers lest they also come into this place of torment. In this moment, he's not thinking about his success. He's not thinking about his riches. He's not thinking about his accomplishments. The only thing he can think about is wishing that he would have laid hold on things eternal. The only thing that matters to him at this moment is please tell my family not to come here. Please warn them not to come. I need somebody to go preach to my brothers. I need somebody to go and proclaim to my family. Whatever you do, don't come here. Jesus allows us to peek into the dimension of the eternal to hear a message from hell the haunting cry of hell is whatever you do don't come here if you could hear this morning if somehow you could be connected to the voices of hell and they had one chance to talk to you and you could hear the cry of hell for one moment hell would be saying whatever you do don't come to this awful place whatever you got to do in your life you don't want to be here whatever it is you got to change whatever I wish I could get somebody roused out of their chair this morning hell would tell you whatever you do don't come it's not worth it it's not worth whatever you're holding on to it's not worth whatever's got its grip on you don't come here Jesus warns us in Mark chapter 9 in verse 43 Jesus said this 
if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Oh, this is radical for some people in here today. Come on, I, I'm losing all my amens right here. He said, if your hand is going to keep getting you in trouble, if your hand is going to keep putting you in a position that endangers you with hellfire, then cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not. You know what he's saying? You've got to do whatever you've got to do in order to avoid the lake of fire. better for you to make the sacrifice now than to go with it into hell. I just feel like telling somebody who said, I can't live for God because I got to give up this and I got to give up that and I got to quit doing this. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to give it up to go to hell. There ain't going to be any drug dealers in hell. There's not going to be a bar with alcohol in hell. There's not going to be any fornication and adultery. Uh, go, I wish I had a witness uh, in the building. There ain't going to be no Hollywood movie theaters uh, in hell. You're going to have to give it up uh, to spend eternity in hell. Uh, you might as well give it up now uh, in order to make it to heaven. Uh, I'm not waiting for judgment day. Uh, I can't take it. Uh, somebody in the building uh, ought to lift your hands up right now uh, and say, Lord, uh, I got to do whatever it takes uh, to make it. Come on, whatever it is that's got you hung up, you're going to have to let it go to go to hell. Why not let it go in order to make it to heaven? It's not that the rich man didn't ask for mercy. It's that he waited to the wrong side of eternity. Jesus says, if your foot offend thee, Cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. I don't care if I got to cut some things off that cause me to limp the rest of my life. I don't care if I've got to get rid of some things that put me at a disadvantage in this world. If it means I make it into heaven, I'd rather limp into heaven than dive into hell. I'd rather crawl through the pearly gates than to dive into hell. Come on, somebody. Whatever you've got to do, cut it off. said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye 
than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I came to preach to somebody in the building. It's time to cut it off. Come on. I'm not talking about your hand and your foot. I'm not talking about your eye. I'm talking about the things in your life that you know are a hindrance to you selling out to God. I'm talking about the things in your life that you know God has told you it's sin and you need to get rid of it. And you need, come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Hell would testify and tell you this morning, whatever you gotta do, cut it off. Who am I preaching to this morning? Uh, come on. This is the day you've been waiting for. Uh, it's time to look uh, at that sin in your life. Uh, I don't care what it is. Uh, it might be a relationship uh, that you know is dragging you away from God. Uh, cut it off. Uh, it might be an addiction uh, that you know is not pleasing. Come on. Uh, it's time to cut it off. Uh, whatever you got to do uh, to make it to heaven, uh, cut it off. It amazes me the precautions that we'll go through to protect this mortal body. We'll feed it. We'll put medicine in it. We'll wear helmets in, different, in dangerous situations. Put seat belts when we drive, most of us. Pay attention to the stoplights. All the things that we do to ensure the survival of this mortal flesh. But yet we live life careless when it comes to the eternal. Come on, somebody. We'll board up our houses with shutters and with hurricane glass and things to protect our belongings from the storm. But we leave the door wide open to our life spiritually and let things in our life that are corrupting us and pulling us away from live. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building, Matthew 10 and 28. Jesus said, fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The haunting cry of hell is do whatever you have to do to not come here. It's amazing that you could get more response at a comedy club from people in their emotion than a man of God standing on a platform preaching about saving yourself from hell. I'm going to preach tonight. I'm going to preach this morning until I move somebody. It's a shame that, that if you were to go to some theater of entertainment, you, you would be more responsive with your emotions and your reaction, engaging the, the, the person on the platform than when we come to the house of God and the word of the Lord comes forward and the word of God says, hey, you got to be ready for heaven. Hey, 
you got to do whatever it takes to make sure that you avoid the torment. There ought to be somebody in this building today that something stirs inside of you that says, I can't sit down. I've got to do something. I've got to make my calling and my election sure. I've got to check my life. Come on, somebody in the building. It's the haunting cry of hell this morning. Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. That's an important statement. It lets us know that many will be deceived. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Why did he say be not deceived? Because we live in a world where people will come to church every week, sit on a pew with some of these things in their life, and they're deceived because they think that they will inherit the kingdom of God. That I can live like this and still make it to heaven. That I can have these things in my life and still make it come on be not deceived what are you telling me preacher I'm telling you repent I know it's not a popular message but it's the one that's missing in churches today repent John the Baptist had one message that he preached everywhere he went, every church service, every gathering. Repent! I'm preaching this morning, and God's going to hold somebody accountable. Repent! God woke me up this morning and sent me in this house to preach to you one word. Repent! Repent. Because whatever you do, you've got to avoid hell. Repent. Because whatever you do, you've got to see Jesus. Come on, somebody. I can't miss seeing Jesus. This is too simple for some of you. You're looking for me to wow you with some sensational preaching. But I came to preach a message from hell. I came to preach a cry from hell. Whatever you do, don't go to hell. Music come.
please send Lazarus. He said, I won't send Lazarus. They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God and they have the man of God. The rich man argues with him and says, no, if one from the dead came back, that would be enough to convince them to repent. Abraham said, the one came back from the dead. If they won't hear the word of God and the man of God, nothing will convince them to repent. Some of us are waiting for disaster. Some of us are pushing the envelope to see how, how far and how long we can go. God said, today's your day. You're waiting on some apparition, but all I'm giving you is the word of God and the man of God. And if you won't respond to the preaching of the word, you have no chance of making it to heaven. Come on, that's what Jesus said. That's what Abraham said. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't hear anybody. If they won't respond on a Sunday morning to you preaching about hell, then there's nothing that's going to convince them to repent. If they can't be moved by my word, then there's nothing else in life that will cause them to get up and repent. Come on. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. Whatever you do, you've got to repent. Whatever you do, you've got to get it right today. God sent me here to preach the cry from hell is don't come to this place. I wonder if we would stand all over this house. I heard a man who told a story one time about a dream that he had. He was standing behind a pulpit preaching. And as people were coming through the door of the church, as he was preaching, they would come and start making their way down. But before they could get to the front, they would drop and disappear. Kept happening. They, they would come, and so he thought to himself, I've got to preach louder. And so he would preach louder. 
they would come so far and they would fall. He got fervency and said, I've got to preach with greater passion. I've got to do something. And so he would preach. He got so passionate, he was gripping the side of the pulpit, preaching with everything he had. And as they would come, they would disappear until finally he couldn't take it. And he stood up on the pulpit and looked. And when he looked over, there was a big gap between the pulpit and the other side of the altar. And as the people were coming towards the pulpit, they were falling down into that pit. He said, all of a sudden, the voice of God came and said, Preacher, you've got to do more than preach to them. You've got to reach for them. If you're going to see them come out of the pit, you've got to reach. I came to preach to you. The Bible in one place said some save with fear, pulling them from the fire, their garments with the smell. of. If I could this morning, I would physically go down and there are some of you that I would grab by your jacket and say, shake yourself. What are you thinking? You need to repent. Hell is coming for you. I said, hell, if I could, I would get out of off of this platform and I'd grab you by the hand and I would drag you to an altar and I would beg you, please, whatever you do, don't go to hell. Whatever you do, let go of your pride. Let go of that addiction. Let go of that sin. Come on, all over this house. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that would get out of your seat and say, Preacher, I've got to make sure that I'm right with God today. Come on, is there anybody beside me who would get out of your pew and say whatever it takes? God, I want you to search my heart. I want to double check my spirit. God, if there's anything in me, come on. Come on. Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? Come on, God's calling you. Come on. Whatever it takes. You're going to have to let go to go to hell. You might as well let go now and get ready for heaven. You're going to have to bow your knee when you get to hell. You might as well bow it at an altar now. You're going to have to lift your hands and say, I surrender in hell. You might as well come to an altar and say, I surrender right now. Come on. Come on. Come on, somebody. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I've got to be saved. Lord, I I've got to make it. I've got to make come on, somebody. Come on. God knows the secret places of your heart. God knows the things can see. God knows the things that nobody else even knows is there. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your moment.
surrender, God. With holy nothing. Whatever it takes, God.
don't miss your time of visitation. Don't miss your opportunity to get right with God. Don't miss your chance to repent. Don't miss your chance.
just a few more minutes this morning. Come on, just a few more minutes this morning. Somebody's on the brink right now of your breakthrough. Come on, somebody's on the brink of surrender. Come on, I don't care what you've been offended about. I don't care what's, what's happened to you. It's not worth going to hell. Come on, it's not worth going to hell. Give it to him right now. Let it go. Come on, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Put it in God's hands. Put it in God's hands. Shut up. 